Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we'll be doing our part two dive into the straight story. Yeah, part two. Yes, very excited for more <laughs> positive and sweet things yeah, to come. There's so much of the journey is in this part. Because the uh-huh. first half, a lot of it, like maybe the whole first half hour is just him and Rose. Right. So we don't get as much of the journey. Plus he gets like turned around. So <laughs> <laughs> he's got sent right back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. And it's actually a really good Thanksgiving movie. And this is. episode is coming out the week of Thanksgiving. So uh-huh. happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yes. Happy <laughs> Thanksgiving week. Yes. We hope that you are enjoying some good food. And mm-hmm. even if you have to be socially distant from your family, that you're still able to talk to them and <laughs> still eat good food. Yes. Because <laughs> that's really the most important part. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, all the... I'll be on all the technical stuff is bad about it, but yeah. <laughs> the food is the last good part of it. I hope you ordered your favorites from whatever restaurant if you're yes. not a cook, which maybe what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I say our family used to go, um, we used to do when I when I lived in Miami, because I lived half of my childhood there, we would go to my uncle's house and we'd have like a giant Thanksgiving whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, but when we moved up here and we didn't really have like a lot of family up here, we would go to Buca de Beppo because <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the only things open on Thanksgiving. Oh, and sometimes nice. my mom, because she's a, a labor and delivery nurse, she would work night shift. Uh-huh. And so sometimes that would be like, she was like, I'm not cooking. I'm not looking <laughs> at a kitchen, <laughs> which Buca de Beppo is delicious. So, yeah. Yeah. We usually do some sort of a something. A little get- get-together-ish yeah. gathering of some sort. Yeah. If nothing else, I'll probably eat with my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this year is like, it's weird. I don't know what's going to happen, but... Yeah. Maybe I'll try my hand at something. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll figure out how to make stuffing. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> you could... Um... Uh, I think I said in the last one, but I will be some starting a COVID circle only <laughs> dinner club, <laughs> um, and you'll definitely be invited to my first one. And maybe uh, you can come over a little early, and we can make stuffing together because I've also <laughs> never made it. That sounds perfect. You can make it from scratch, scratch too. Yeah, like real scratch. with real bread and everything. Yes, real bread and uh, mirepoix, which is carrot, celery, and onion. I can actually maybe make enough stale bread. <laughs> perfect that's the thing is like it doesn't I, have to be great bread to start off with right no 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 as long Not, as it's i think i'm getting bread. better at making bread but <laughs> yeah because it's just going to be torn up anyway so as long as it's bread okay perfect because i have not ventured into bread making yet and <laughs> i'm also very intimidated by it so i'm glad that you will be uh, able to cover that Yes, I am. Um, I love the kneading process, but I am not good at the whole rising thing yet. The proofing, proofing is. I don't know. It's so much I... easier in school because they have like a whole proofing box, <laughs> and I'm like, this uh, seems so much easier than just finding a spot in the house and hoping it works. I think my problem is it's always like until it's doubled in size, and I mm-hmm. can't really judge, so I always wait till it's like more than doubled in size, and then it just uh, deflates, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's ruined. tricky, but practice makes perfect maybe i'll make some rolls <laughs> yes love some parker rolls some dinner rolls yes <laughs> Ugh, i love food uh, all right well uh <laughs> should we get into the notes for straight story yeah all righty oh my gosh i wrote on here <laughs> because when we did mm-hmm. the david lynch shorts we did one called The Three R's, which mm-hmm. I really liked. And like right after that episode came out, I had a realization that the three R's stood for reading, writing, and arithmetic, which I didn't realize when we were talking about it. But it makes total sense because it's all like, you know, how many rocks is Pete holding or whatever. Uh-huh. And anyway, I just meant to say on the next episode and then every time i've forgotten and so i just thought i'd make a quick note if anyone was <laughs> like what i never thought about that so it makes sense i never thought about that <laughs> that has nothing to do with the straight story but i wrote it in the notes <laughs> so i wouldn't forget to say it this time okay so david lynch he said of the straight story uh-huh. i guess you'd have to say that this is different from the things i've been doing lately mm. <laughs> <laughs> this was at a, a press conference at the 1999 Cannes Film Festival. Uh-huh. He said, A gentleman named Tony called me up and said, You've got a G rating. I said, 
You gotta tell me again because it's the last time in my life I'll hear that. <laughs> <laughs> the only time. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was written by John Roach and Mary Sweeney. They had been friends since childhood. Right. I think you mentioned this in the last one. Uh, they went to grade school together, actually. Mary Sweeney was the editor for Blue Velvet, and she also went on to like be the editor for Twin Peaks. And I think she, you know, maybe up until Inland Empire. I can't remember. I didn't look up the whole history, but uh-huh. um, she definitely worked with him a lot. And I think they, they definitely got married at some point, David Lynch and Mary Sweeney. Mm-hmm. They might have had a child together. I'm not sure. <laughs> it, it's really weird because there's like not, I don't, I feel weird about like, looking up that kind of stuff because i feel like i'm prying into somebody's <laughs> life personal stuff but there also wasn't really that much information about it so it was like i just want to get my story straight but right anyway so in, in, after many years of editing she had wanted to try screenwriting and so she called up her old friend john roach and she found an article about alvin Street. so she they decided to try to write a screenplay based on that and at first, some big wig Hollywood producers swooped in and got the rights. But mm-hmm. after a year, the rights lapsed. So Mary Sweeney just like quietly bought them up. And um, John Roach did speak to Alvin. Like after when they were first trying to get the screen rights, uh-huh. he uh, talked to Alvin straight. But he died before they actually secured Aww. the rights. Mm-hmm. But he did get to have, like, a conversation with them and stuff. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, so they wrote the script, and then Mary asked David Lynch to read the script and give her notes. And after he did, he said, don't show the script to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then he invited Mary and John over and poured some wine and said he would love the honor of directing their screenplay. And he said he was touched by the emotion of the script. Uh, weren't we all yeah <laughs> so and then i found from little white lies dot dot com <laughs> lies dot <laughs> com <laughs> okay <laughs> um the article's called why the straight story remains one of the great american road movies by james clark okay. and he says in 1999, a good friend of mine, a lifelong Lynch enthusiast, went to see The Straight Story as soon as it was released in the UK. Later, he told me it moved him to tears. It's one of those films that seems to resonate the, to resonate more the older you get. It's a film about love and to quote Blanche Dubois, the kindness of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Straight Story marks a passage of time and the regrets and happiness that inevitably accumulate along the way. But where it could have done all this with some quiet sound and fury, Lynch eschews it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> eschews it. I know the word. I just feel like I'm saying it wrong. Eschews it? Have I ever heard it said? How is it spelled? E-S-C-H-E-W-S. Eschews it? Eschews <laughs> oh my goodness words are hard <laughs> instead like alvin his film sets out on its mission in its own unassuming way and inviting as those campfire flames around which so many stories have been told anyway i wow. thought that was like a nice little I like that. Um, quote about it and then from the ringer I found some quotes. This is from Remembering David Lynch's The Straight Story by Adam Neyman. It's also very much a companion piece to Blue Velvet, which it quotes quite deliberately off the top via a series of shots establishing the physical and cultural terrain of a small American town, which is what I was saying. (laughs) In place of the fictional Lumberton, or Twin Peaks, we are in Lawrence, Iowa, and more specifically on a suburban front lawn. In Blue Velvet's most celebrated image, we are plunged beneath the immaculate grass to reveal a mass of hissing, incestuous insects, a potent metaphor for the idea of a society's dark side. It's too simple to say that the straight story is Blue Velvet without the submerged horror, but that gets at Lynch's strategy. He does not banish bleakness entirely, but instead manifests it at at the margins. The choreography of the straight story's prologue is funny and unsettling at once. 
which is just like a really fancy way of saying what we were saying. The shoes, it. TV or movie reviewer jargon for whatever we said earlier. <laughs> well, they're probably like, I don't know. These are probably like art, um, artsy, art critiques or something. Uh huh. Anyway, okay. Well. I thought I had more, but <laughs> let's go into the second half of the recap. Okay. Oh, um, I the thing I was going to mention, the first one that I wasn't sure. Um, I found it so interesting when I was looking at, like, they did a list of filming locations and it's all the locations that they said they were in because the, Oh yeah. When David Lynch was filming it, they filmed it on the exact route that he took. Oh yeah. And he filmed it chronologically. That's Uh something I was like, I thought that was in my notes. Yeah. That's part of the reason he thought it was one of his most experimental films is because he filmed it, you know, chronologically as it would have gone. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was so cool. Yeah. And um, I guess I could also mention that Richard Farnsworth was actually very ill. He had uh-huh. been having a long battle with prostate cancer during the making or before it was made. So mm-hmm. a lot, whenever he's having trouble walking, that's like real. Real. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> back, back into the recap. Starting halfway, we... Uh, we're just we had the bicyclists okay mm-hmm. so now we're driving in the rain through town and there are a lot of semis passing by <laughs> and i i feel like he needs some mirrors yeah. he doesn't have any mirrors on that thing he's got the big trailer i didn't even realize that <laughs> returning or nothing he's like off he's off the road a lot of the time and uh-huh like in the grass yeah but on the road he sees an accident a lady yeah she hit a deer and she's freaking out she says that every week she hits a deer and she's done everything she can think of to stop it (laughs) she's very upset the deer is dead and she's like but i love deer (laughs) (laughs) and finally she gets into her battered car and drives off but alvin looks closer at the deer And that night, he camps somewhere with a bunch of old deer statues all around him. <laughs> and he feels them looking at him as he presumably eats the roadkill that we saw earlier. On. Earlier, the I remember reading about the the part where she's saying she prayed to, um, oh my god, what was it? Like Saint something, or I can't remember what it was. Do you remember, like, the dear lady yeah. was like, I prayed to Saint, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Apparently the people she prayed to were the patron saints of, like, deer and, <laughs> and something because deer symbolized, uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was, like, very, like, those religious figures were, like, Saint Deers or something. That's awesome. <laughs> that was, like, really I love the detail. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's really a deep dive. Yeah. Um, the next day, he has some antlers on his trailer. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we get some more farming shots this time in the fog. Mm-hmm. And we see a barn on fire. And I think it's like a fire training exercise. It does, yeah, because it didn't look like anyone really lived in there anyways. Yeah, the people are watching from the lawn across the street. <laughs> like, either they're not concerned with their neighbors at all. Or... Yeah. <laughs> and um, on the hill, the brakes on the mower fail. Or oh. something fails. Seems like the brakes. Yeah. Things seem very dangerous. This is like the most action-packed moment of the movie. <laughs> I know. The Licky Loos see him coming, and he's like racing down this hill. He looks super worried. He's going so fast, and finally gets to the bottom, and the brakes work, and he's out of breath, and all the folks who were watching the fire come up to check on him. <laughs> and one of them says that he worked for John Deere and he knows that you should not pull a trailer down a hill on that particular board. <laughs> and he offers to check the damage and the firemen are helping. And the barn is still burning as they roll the tractor over to the John Deere guy's house. So I guess the drive belt is busted uh-huh. and he has transmission problems. Ugh. And he tells them like where he came from and that he's been on the road for five weeks. Ugh, That's a I long didn't time. I realize at this point that it had been Ugh. that long. You know, when I mow my lawn, 
which you know has been known to take like up to two hours because uh-huh. it's very big at the moment i feel like a big old vibration machine when i get off the lawnmower like i'm like oh <laughs> i can't <laughs> imagine like five hours through the sun Ugh. okay so where was i oh he says oh he tells them that he fought in the trenches and so why should he be scared of an Iowa cornfield? Because they're like, aren't you scared? <laughs> <laughs> they got all sorts of weird people out there now. <laughs> He's like, I've seen like three people. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like I've also fought in one of the most <laughs> treacherous and deadly wars in human history. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. <laughs> so they offer to let him stay in their yard. And he happily agrees. They set up like a little tarp for him to park under. It's so cute. Very nice. He's still puffing on those cigars and stargazing. <laughs> he checks his wallet. It looks like he has about $50. And he asked to use the phone, but he doesn't want to go inside. He, like, refuses to go inside at all. He's just like, no, just give me a cordless one, and I'll just use another. <laughs> I was like, how far do you think those cordless ones I was going to say, in 99. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls Rose, and she's, like, so relieved to hear from him. And I'm like, gosh, you've been on the roof for five weeks, and you haven't called her? <laughs> That's what I also was like thinking when he called her i was like i when we heard it was five weeks i was like good lord she's probably worried i know (sighs) can't believe it his new friend who's putting him up is afraid he can't afford to fix the mower and they seem like a really nice loving couple they have like Mm -hmm. a really cute scene together (laughs) where they're joking with each other about this about alvin Uh uh-huh and they're they're worried about him um rose finds his social security check (laughs) so we presume she's going to send that over. And Alan returns the phone with some cash. <laughs> Doesn't want a handout. <laughs> oh, Alvin. So he finds out it's going to cost $250 to fix the mower. Which seems pretty cheap for transmission and whatever the other thing was, too. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it's tractor materials. Well, I guess I was thinking like 99 would 250 seem like. I don't know. Because... My lawnmower usually costs around two fifty to get fixed. Oh yeah, Never uh, I just like, and maybe I'm comparing it too much to cars because uh, my older car before the one I got now had was having transmission issues and it was going to cost thousands of dollars to oh, fix. Oh yeah, and it was an old car. It was from two thousand, so I was like, I'm not gonna. Oh yeah, yeah. and two cars are way more expensive. I was saying, car car materials are different. Yeah. So. Um. Oh. Um, yeah. So the man, whose name is Danny, (laughs) (laughs) offers to take him where he's going. But Alvin wants to finish this in his own way. And he says, you're a kind man talking to a stubborn man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Alvin hasn't made another new friend who wants to take him out for a beer. But Alvin doesn't drink now, but he still wants to go out because he's not done anything but ride a lawnmower for weeks. Right. (laughs) And... He said he was an alcoholic after the war due to, I guess, PTSD, basically. Yeah. And his new friend seems to understand. He says everyone's trying to forget back then. And the man tells a story from the war. Uh, They were waiting for their first hot meal in weeks. And he went out to get coffee. And a bomb was dropped on the mess tent. And all of his buddies were killed. Ugh. Yeah. It's terrible. And Alvin says he sees old faces from the war, friends and enemies all still young in his memories forever. And then he tells his story. He was a sniper, and he once accidentally shot a scout from his side, his friend, as he was coming back over the line. And everyone thought he was just killed by a German sniper, but Alvin knew that he had been responsible. And gosh, can you imagine just... Living with that? Yeah, before therapy existed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you know he's afraid to go to the regular doctor... Therapy is not going to be anywhere on his list of things to do. That's a good point. So it's like living with all that garbage. Maybe if back then the army had been like, here's your sanctioned therapist you must have. (laughs) Especially after World War II. Seriously. I mean, just thinking back on like my grandparents Mm -hmm. and the way they grew up and, you know, the kinds of, I don't know, like... It's just weird to think back and not think of grandparents as like, oh, they're grandparents. Like, think of right. back when they were younger like, and like <laughs> their, their lives. Because my grandparents grew up in the Depression and they uh-huh. had all sorts of great, like, there are a lot of 
parents mm-hmm. that we don't know who they were from that time period. Right. And uh, then, you know, after the war, everyone, cocktail hours were like such a thing. Like Right. It was like, a it's just a totally different society. Yeah. It's just weird to think back. Or, I mean, not weird, but, you know, like... It's just, like, something you don't really think about, especially, like, growing up with your grandparents. You're like, oh, wait, they were actually 20 years old once. Yeah. That's a good thing to think about around Thanksgiving time, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Introspectively. Look yeah. Back. Put yourself in your grandparents' shoes for a while. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, back at camp, Alvin is misty-eyed after that, and he's finding comfort in the stars... So the next day, the twins are fixing the mower. They're Farley. I think they're Chris they're Farley's Farley brothers. brothers. Yeah. Chris Farley was supposed to be in this movie, but he died yeah. before it was made. Which Crazy. Is sad. So they're supposed to be triplets, probably. Wow. That would have been a really funny scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, Especially it was a Chris funny Farley. scene, I thought. But how crazy would it be if Chris Farley showed up in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would have been the most ridiculous. <laughs> I thought it would be a more... Like, I bet more people would have seen this movie just to be like... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Chris, Chris Farley. This movie. Okay, so the twins are fixing the lawnmower and arguing, and Alvin is questioning the price of mm-hmm. what they're charging him. And he says he wants $30 off for the tires, and he doesn't want to pay for their fighting, so he wants 20% off labor. <laughs> and he manages to get the oil thrown in for free. So he got it down to 180 <laughs> Pretty good. So I want haggling skills like that. And not only that, but he leaves them with a gift because he tells them the story about how he's going to visit his brother mm-hmm. and because he wants to make up with them before it's too late. And it really seems to touch the twins mm-hmm. and make them think about how special a brother really is. Right. Not to take <laughs> for granted your sibling. So I guess he paid, paid that extra bit in guidance. Yes. <laughs> They're young. They need to hear it. Yeah. So Danny and Alvin have one last smoke under the stars before he heads out early in the morning and he thanks him for his kindness to a stranger. And Danny says it's been a genuine pleasure having him there. And he watches him leave in the morning. And I thought, <laughs> I wrote, seems like he could have gotten him a John Deere hookup of some sort, you know, like a, something better. Get you a better mower. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Alvin is heading through town and he passes a giant ear of corn. <laughs> <laughs> we get some more beautiful scenery. I guess this is getting closer to Wisconsin now. Mm-hmm. He crosses the Mississippi, which is a funny scene because he's crossing this bridge, which even before it got to, before it said the Mississippi, just the picture of it, I was like, is that the Mississippi? And then it said Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I'm sure there's like a line of traffic behind him crossing this bridge, but I'm sure <laughs> he seems to be enjoying it. Okay, so he's camped out in a graveyard. The and uh, the pastor comes out and brings him some dinner, very nice. And Alvin offers him a seat. And this is a very windy scene; like the mics mm-hmm. are like <laughs> the whole time. But I guess it doesn't matter. There's so many scenes that are like. It's from far away, and you can barely hear what they're saying, but mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter. No. It's also, <laughs> you know, David Lynch loves those windy noises, so. That's true. It felt and very. it's a graveyard. Exactly. So it felt perfect. <laughs> but it doesn't feel menacing at all. No. He's camped out by one of the oldest cemeteries in the Midwest, and the priest remembers his brother from the hospital. And Alvin tells the pastor that he and his brother were best friends when they were little. And they always slept outside in the summer and talked to each other until they went to sleep. And that anger, vanity, and liquor led them to not speaking for a long time. But now he wants to make peace to peace. Now he wants to make peace. And the um, pastor says amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) So the next day, the last day, he stops for a beer before he gets there. One beer. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't blame him at all. (laughs) Yeah, he seems nervous. (laughs) He gets directions to Lyle's place from the bartender, and this is the last stretch of road. It's very contemplative. And then the mower starts spewing some black smoke and stops working right before he can get there. Womp, womp, womp. Almost. He just sits there and waits for a while. (laughs) 
waiting for someone to show up. Finally, this big tractor pulls up, and that's where I wrote, I like these faraway dialogue scenes. Yes. Um, I think the tractor tows the mower, but I don't really see any ropes, so yeah. I'm not really sure. Something got it moving again. He managed to get him coasting into this field mm-hmm. by a house. And he walks up to the house, and he calls for Lyle. And Lyle comes out, and it's Harry Dean Stanton. <gasps> <laughs> and he has a walker. Oh, oh. They could have been twins. Yeah. They look at each other for a minute, and then they sit down next to each other on the porch, and Lyle sees the mower and trailer, and he asks if he rode that thing all the way out to see him, and it gets teary, and Uh, so do I. (laughs) It was such a sweet scene. And they look up at the sky together, and there's a star field and credits. I know, it's like, it's not really a tearjerker, but it like, it's that kind of like, Oh, I love it so much. I want to cry yes. type of a feeling. Well, it's like you would expect because there's past animosity that they would be like, what are you doing here or something? But he was just like, you could tell that either maybe the stroke or the separation had an effect because he was just happy to see his brother. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time. Right. It's easy to let stuff go after a while. <sighs> That's <sighs> such a sweet movie. So sweet. Did you have a favorite part from the second half? Um, yes. It's the one we just talked about. Oh, <laughs> it was when he shows up and he his brother is like you rode that all the way to see me and it's just like <laughs> i don't know like it, i feel like i want to like i want like a wanted a mini sequel where we got to see them start catching up and yeah see them talk about like what happened or something because like you know is it a thing where i i just like keep thinking like what was the argument like was it one-sided or was it like because he seemed very happy to see his brother yeah, I'm sure it was just like a drunken, foolish, yeah, um, probably money or girls or something. Something stupid. <laughs> yeah, but it was just I don't know. It made me like think like, ah, I want to know what happens. I know, I but know I what think happened. they probably, you know, caught was, up, mm-hmm. had a good time. He went back home to see Rose and Harrison. called each other on the phone every week. That's what I like to think. Yes. <laughs> Probably. I think my favorite is probably when he goes off with the um, older guy to the bar mm-hmm. and they share their war stories and you really get to like get to know them both just from their one stories. And, like, Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it's a sad moment, kind of. I mean, I don't know if it's sad, but it's like cathartic, kind of. Yeah. It's just like, you know. It's almost like, have you ever told anybody this story? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Like. It, is it something this is the first time you're saying it yeah but that other guy was so good too like uh-huh ugh, broke my heart um yeah and i love I like him with danny <laughs> uh-huh that was really sweet it almost felt like they were like father and son a little bit yeah just a little bit <sighs> changing people all over the place making them better people <laughs> oh alvin you're the best alvin all right um okay let's do the deep dive yeah Okay, so I did the deep dive basically on Alvin Strait. Okay. And I actually wrote the deep dive before I watched the movie, so I realize now that a lot of this is going to be just what happened in the movie. <laughs> so we'll see. But there's a lot of other stuff in here too. So. Uh-huh. In his memoir, Room to Dream, David Lynch said that he viewed Alvin Strait as an older version of James Dean and a rebel who did things his own way. <laughs> <laughs> And most of this is actually comes from an article from the Tribune Star called The Off Season, The Real Story About the Straight Story by Mike Lunsford huh. from March 15, 2015. Oh. So the Alvin portrayed in Lynch's film and the real man did have their differences. Uh, Alvin Strait really didn't live in Lawrence for very many years, uh-huh. perhaps maybe like five or so before he made his lawnmower trip to Wisconsin. Okay. And he was actually a very aloof guy that few people ever came to know. Um, he was quite reclusive or perhaps eccentric, uh-huh. <laughs> said one of the locals who knew him. Interesting. Okay, so he found out in the winter of 1993, 94, that his brother henry then um 80 something had suffered a stroke 
And Alvin no longer had a driver's license. He didn't trust others to drive him, and he was too proud to accept what he perceived as a handout, so he decided to drive his lawnmower. Very much like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he took off and drove, just like in the movie, 25 miles before his lawnmower broke down and he had to get towed back to town. But he didn't get him up. He bought a new lawnmower and took off again. He made it a bit further with his new mower broke down, <laughs> oh. and he had to wait for it to be repaired, camping out in his new friend's yard. Right. Um. And he drove around five miles per hour for 10 hours a day, basically. Good lord. <laughs> he had a small two-wheel trailer that he towed that he would sleep in. And he basically slept on a strip of foam rubber in mm-hmm. the trailer. Um, he often cooked on old Coleman camp stove. He was a veteran of World War II and the Korean conflict. And he claimed to never be afraid when he was on the road. Okay. So very similar. Mm-hmm. When he got to the halfway point, this isn't in the movie, the, there were very heavy rains that kept him stuck in Charles City, where he was, where he visited a daughter. Um, oh. I don't think Rose is the same as in the movie. Not this daughter. Yeah, because I think Alvin had been married. Oh, I think, oh, I'm about to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, his first wife and he had 12 children together. Good seven Lord. survived infancy. And also, while he was stuck in Charles City was when he was waiting for his... Um, Social security check to arrive. Right. But he was visiting a different daughter while he was there. Okay. And finally he made it um, to within two miles of his brother's house before his lawnmower did break down again. And this time he did accept a ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you're that close. Yeah, I don't think it was the whole pulling the trailer into the yard type of thing. Mm-hmm. So when he got there, a little bit for what happened afterwards, he stayed with Henry and his wife, June, for several weeks before allowing a nephew to take him and his John Deere back home by truck. Even though Alvin and Henry had hardly spoken for years, um, the former felt he needed to renew the connection and put their differences behind them, particularly since Henry was in poor health. (laughs) So... Yeah, and they had been really close in their childhood days. They grew up in Crow Wing County, Minnesota. Whoa. But they hadn't kept in contact after, I guess, they fell out. Um, Yeah, Henry was also an eccentric. It was just described as an eccentric soul. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sometimes he would milk his goats on the kitchen table. (laughs) That sounds very eccentric. And he was often seen riding his lawnmower to a favorite bar. What? So, <laughs> very similar character. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, Alvin did enjoy his newfound celebrity a bit after his um, Lama ride became famous. Mm-hmm. He did have, he took a couple of interviews and appeared in a John Deere ad. <laughs> oh. But he didn't take it too seriously and turned down like Letterman and Leno and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, at first, the people of the town were not that pleased about David Lynch making the movie. Lame. They were afraid he would make them look simple. Uh, Which I guess I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it kind of reminded me of Blue Velvet, where the people were excited about him coming until they saw what was happening, and then they are like, no! <laughs> <laughs> when they all showed up for that live viewing. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, oh my god. Yeah. Like, this would be quite the opposite. But the people in the straight story of the town, they became, they term, um, Lauren's, I guess, they came to embrace the movie mm-hmm. eventually. Well, I think it's like, I think there's, when you make these kinds of movies about this kind of area, there's like two kinds of simple and like one's bad where you're like, everyone here is stupid and yeah. uneducated and whatever. And there's another kind of simple where it's like, they all have sort of schedules for their lives and there's, yeah, it's like not, not a lot a of like complex like, right there's nothing really thrown into like no, there's not a wrench thrown into their schedule yeah it's not like a busy town it's a right it's like a little simple country life type of a thing right not like simple and... you're dumb simple right um anyway they they liked it in the end so okay. uh two years at, to the day after his famous ride he set out again this time headed west oh. he was hoping to make it to idaho and he did make it nearly 400 miles which he was the distance he was trying to go was 1,100 miles. Oh, wow. So almost a third. But he was found in his trailer in South Dakota suffering from sunburn and dehydration. Ugh. And he was brought home 
but he never really recovered his health, and he died in November 1996. Oh. His brother, whose ill health inspired his first trip, survived him. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ironically. And a tractor very similar to the one he drove was included in his final trip to the cemetery. Oh. <laughs> I know. That's sweet. And I just thought I'd mention, since we didn't, I don't know about, we don't need to sort him because he's a real person. He mm-hmm. was a Libra. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. So I guess it was just his birthday recently. Oh, wow. Well, happy birthday, Alvin. Happy birthday, Alvin. You inspired, I'm sure, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of those. <laughs> American, like, I ran from this country, this um, state to this state. And... I know. <laughs> I'm a hero. <laughs> it's kind of Forrest Gump in a way. Yeah, that's but what I thought of. It's like, feels like, yeah, that seems like something I would want to do. Just be like, you know what? I'm just going to walk from right. here to Tennessee. We'll see how long it takes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ride my bike. <laughs> Rely on the kindness of strangers. <laughs> that country roads the whole way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the life of Alvin Strait. And um, I guess could mention Richard Farnsworth. I did say he was sick and mm-hmm. he did um, commit suicide after the film had come out. Yes. Um, which is very sad. It is. But he also had been very ill and in a lot of pain for a long time. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were, I think from what I've read, they alleged that <laughs> they were like, it's an alleged self-inflicted wound, but it seems it was yeah. because of all the suffering. Yeah, definitely. Through, so. Definitely. But I'm glad he got to, you know, play this character that he felt he could really connect with and i actually saw this i didn't explore the articles about it but or maybe it's a book there's definitely some it's included in a lot of um studies about aging Mm -hmm. and being represented in hollywood and i but i was what i read of it it's like a really good example of you know treating aging with like respect and... right it's not saying like old 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 yeah this like hollywood has a tendency to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um that was my deep dive ah that was really <laughs> just like the movie it's very sweet oh we're still so short on time this time oh really it's about 40 minutes right now wow i guess it's all those scenery shots i guess so or maybe you know it could just be because we are a little brain fried. Yesterday was the day that the election results yes. came in. We are and very excited. <laughs> I'm getting ready to move like in a week. So it's like everything is crazy. And we're just trying to get this one done so we can right. have it to go out. Um, yeah. So um, uh, let's do our final thoughts. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed it. I I think it's a good movie to watch trying to think of like there's like a certain there's like certain types of movies kind of like like a fried green tomatoes or like a driving miss daisy or something like that that like you get like a certain feeling from and it has like it's like it teaches you something but it's not like a i'm teaching you a lesson kind of movie yeah and it just has a certain feeling to it that i think this movie would fit in great with yeah and it's just i don't know i think it's one of those really feel good movies i really liked it yeah I mean, it's like a really peaceful movie. It's a uh-huh. good movie to watch, you know, when you want to calm down, when you want yes. to, maybe if you're like having a bad day and you want one of those movies that like gives you that feeling of, oh, this is so lovely. It makes me want to cry and not like mm-hmm. this is sad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's very quiet and peaceful and I really liked it. I loved, mm-hmm. all, I liked all the cast, even though I would say the majority of like just the little parts are just people I probably have never seen before. No, yeah, but they were all just like so good. Yeah, and... but then when somebody showed up who had been in stuff before, it was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, I love you. Right. <laughs> and Richard Farnsworth, I mean, it's like Matthew's road trip. Matthew Cuthbert's <laughs> road trip. <laughs> uh, I, I have love... to watch that. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, I won't recommend it per se for mm-hmm. recommendations because um i'm pretty sure i've mentioned it before <laughs> i don't know if i mm-hmm. mentioned it specifically as a recommendation but Anne of green gables the original one with megan follows and mm-hmm. richard farsworth <laughs> and, <laughs> um, it's like a canadian version it's so good such a great adaptation of Anne of green gables and he's such a great matthew cuthbert i love 
the other adaptations that are more recent as well in their own way, but you know, nothing's ever going to beat that one to my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, but that's not really a recommendation. I'll say for my final thoughts, though, for Straight uh-huh. Story, did I already say it? <laughs> I lo- it's Maybe. a lovely movie. It's yeah. so sweet, and I love what it has to say about you know aging and mm-hmm. you know like different how people work in the world and like you know you can go through a lot and still. And even be like a stubborn old goat and still be a super kind and, you know, helpful person who, you know. Right. Well, it's like I was thinking about his journey and like how he's literally he's literally like, quote unquote, driving. He might as well have been walking like through all these areas. (laughs) And I bet you like all these areas are places he's probably never been. Well, or maybe it's like, you know, he's never got to. I mean. I feel like he grew up around there, right? Around Lawrence or Wisconsin? Well, that whole area, I would say. He said he traveled a lot when he was younger. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and he did go fight in the war in Europe. But, you know, it might but, be his last chance you know, to really appreciate it. Right. He didn't... I was like, he, he's seeing it with new eyes, because I'm sure it's been a while. Yeah. And you never get a movie like this. Like, no. this is not unlike any other movie. You don't get an older person who already has learned their lessons, who's mm-hmm. not out to have a big life revelation. I mean, maybe he is in his own way because he's like doing this journey to prove to himself that, you know, he's still got it in him. And right. <laughs> but that's not really what it's about. It's more about just like, more like he's helping people because he's already got the perspective and right. he can see through it. And so he's distributing his knowledge. Yeah. It's a very, um, yeah, I wonder how much like David Lynch's like transcendental meditation type mm-hmm. um, philosophies and stuff influenced it you know like right is there a deeper message he's trying to portray with like the slow um mm-hmm. you know just with the the story i don't know it's always it's also funny to think that was what 20 years ago now 21 21 years ago mm-hmm. david lynch is he was 20 years younger 20 years is a long time aging wise mm-hmm. so now would be more of when i would think he would make something like that you know, like a right. old man journeys like across a, the country. Like a reflection on life kind of thing. Yeah. So to think about him making it 20 years ago, and now I wonder what he thinks of it. And, you know, what would he do with something like that these days? It would be very interesting. Yeah. <sighs> if only I could just ask David all those questions I have. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, much of his work, it's Let like... me pick your brain. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to sit here for a while trying to decipher it. <laughs> Which is good. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we go to recommendations then? Yes. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I I can go first. Okay. I mean, I did already say Anne of Green Gables. (laughs) (laughs) Canadian version. Yeah. But I will say this week... um, Okay, so before when we did Twin Peaks, I recommended mm-hmm. Diane podcast because it's like my favorite podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but definitely my favorite Twin Peaks podcast. But actually, they have a spinoff podcast from Diane that oh. is actually my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. It hasn't come out in a while, but they did just release a new episode. Just I don't know for fun. Mm-hmm. It's called The Shadow Trap, and uh-huh. it's like very. They take monsters. Uh-huh. You know, and like kind of break them down. Um, you know, they'll be like, How do we hunt this monster? So they'll uh-huh. take like different examples of it through film and stuff and you know, extrapolate how would we hunt it? How would we, what would we, would we have to be afraid of it? What are its powers? You know, and uh-huh. it's a, it's really strangely thoughtful discussion, uh-huh. but it's also like really fun. And you know, I would, they don't, put out podcasts very often but i would Uh say definitely listen to their bad catalog and every once in a while they'll put out a new one and it's just like yay (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite when you find like a new podcast that you really love and you're like oh my god they have literally months or even years worth of backlog that i can go through (laughs) it's like primeless it almost feels like they just released all of it just for you yeah seriously bingy bingy (laughs) or sometimes you can look at it and be like oh my god I'll never get through it all. <laughs> Especially, I I got into Doctor Who, like, maybe, like, six years ago, eight uh-huh. years ago. Whenever the, around when the 50th anniversary was, 
like sometime before that. Uh huh. And I found this Doctor Who podcast called Radio Free Scaro, but they've been on for 10 years. Whoa. So I was like, there's no way I'm going back. <laughs> I'll just listen from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that um, Mark Maron podcast where they have like over a thousand episodes. Like, oh, yeah. Comedy Bang Bang, too. That that too. Yeah. I did, I did not try and go back. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I'll pick out a few sometimes. Depends. Yeah. There was like sometimes where if there were certain people like jason manzoukas or something oh yeah i would go back i'll and... listen to any podcast he's on <laughs> exactly uh but yeah i totally get it. that sounds cool i'm gonna check that out <laughs> um i have a couple recommendations this week the first one's also gonna be a podcast it's okay. called home cooking oh you were talking about that one yes uh i just found out about it and i'm actually furious that i just found out about it because <laughs> one of the hosts samin nostrat is like i'm like Love her. <laughs> she wrote the James Beard award-winning book, Salt, Fat, Acid, and Heat, which also has its companion series on Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, and she's just like a very intelligent person who understands food and understands people. And I want to say I might be wrong, but I think she was an English major in college. And so she's a beautiful writer. She writes for the New York Times, I think. Oh, cool. Um, and she's just has a way with words and it's just such like a very endearing person that it's like hearing her talk and being able to see her do her work is like so cool and awesome. I just love all her stuff and she has really good <laughs> recipes but it's hosted by her and oh gosh there he's a host of another podcast let me see if I get his name right he's got like a very long Indian name I think it's Hrishikesh Hirway oh yes 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 you know him mm-hmm. um I can't remember his other podcast is like Song I remember Exploder. hearing him on um, Gilmore Guys <laughs> back in the yes. day. <laughs> yeah, he's in a couple, um, but he hosts he co-hosts this one with Samin, and then he has another podcast called Song Exploder, where it sounds really interesting. I haven't listened to it yet, but he like interviews um, like artists, but he like doesn't include his portion of it. They just talk about their process, like of questions that he'll ask them. Oh, that's cool. Like YouTube and other. Yeah, big, I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they host it together, and it's just like you know about i think they started it in march when the pandemic was just starting so they were just basically like doing <laughs> like making stuff with like they have a whole episode about like oh white flowers <laughs> out at the grocery store i know everyone who started a podcast when the pandemic started is like mm-hmm. i guess we're podcasters now it's yeah. just kind of like, <laughs> it never stops <laughs> <laughs> everything is sort of pandemic related <laughs> um but they, they do a, a lot of good episodes about um just like what to make if when I, this part of the pandemic, when this was out, or if you have a lot of beans, at one point everyone had beans and <laughs> legumes and whatever. And she and her, she will kind of give like uh, ideas for what to do with them or like how to properly prepare things. And they'll have like guests on and it's just a really like great podcast. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it and I just found out about it. And so I have so much backlog. Um, but I'll have to check that one out. Yes. And you'll be happy. I think on one of the episodes they had Jason Manzuka's on. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, and then my other recommendation is going to be about politics. We just had our presidential election, and personally, I'm very happy about it. <laughs> but we also have upcoming runoff elections in Georgia that are very important Yeah. Um, for human rights. And we're practically in Georgia. <laughs> basically, we're so far up there. But just, I would say, I would recommend continuing to uh, look at people like Stacey Abrams and other organizers who are battling voter suppression in Georgia. And now with these runoffs coming up, they're probably going to need as much support as they can get so that we can hopefully have great people that are yeah. not capitalist millionaires. Yeah, you have to participate all the time, not just yes. during elections. <laughs> yes, the presidential elections are important, but so are local elections. They're probably way and, more important to your life. Yes, <laughs> and people like these who decide on what laws get passed and yeah. what gets brought up. But just, you know, support people like Stacey Abrams and people yes. and organizations that her. she works with. She's amazing. I will vote for her for whatever. I want to read her romance novels. Um, I don't know if she has audiobook versions of them, That'd but I love listening to audio books of romance novels because I'm always like, <laughs> I'm walking around going, you don't know what I'm listening to right now. <laughs> That's so crazy. I didn't know she wrote uh, romance novels until you told me, I think, yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like I need to read those now. Uh, for sure. Uh, she's amazing. But yeah, <laughs> just look at what she's 
look at any organizations and even anything directly that she's asking you to contribute to to help further their anti-voter suppression in Georgia because these are very important elections and I just want this country not to be mean to people anymore. Yeah, let's all get a little kinder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, that's it for this week. Next week, I believe, next week is our very special episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, maybe not next week. (laughs) (laughs) No, next week we'll probably do another commentary. Another, Uh maybe this time we'll actually watch the movie beforehand, so it won't be so... So choppy. Incomprehensible. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, the week after that will be our special episode where we're going to be talking about episode of Psych. Yes. Twin Peaks crossover, Dual Spire. Dual Spire. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that next week. So, yes. um, I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. And yes. Be, uh, be, have fun and eat lots of food. Yes. I think we might have said our have a great Thanksgiving prematurely last week, but. It's double, double It's a whole goodness. month of Thanksgiving cheer, so let's all exactly. be grateful. <laughs> exactly. We're entering the holiday season <laughs> and pandemic, and you have to make the most. Yes. And try and be as happy as you can. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Um, <laughs> if you want to gobble at us, you can email, <laughs> you can email us at mannersofmadness.com. At gmail.com. Uh, you can visit our website, leave us a voice message at mannersmadness.com. You can tweet at us at mannersmadness or DM us on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. And I think that's it. Yep. Um, that's it, you guys. Yes. See you in December. Yes. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye.